This is John Byrne, the lead pastor here at Grace Fellowship, and this is the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, recorded deep in the depths of the Grace Fellowship basement here in Lakewood, Colorado. We dive a little deeper into Sunday sermon. I'm Johnny McCloskey, and I'll be your host on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Well, welcome back to the Grace Deep Dive Podcast. Um, we're so glad you're here today. Um, you know, John, last week... I kind of realized I, I seemed a little harsh on marriage. You seemed a little harsh? I seemed a little, not harsh. Oh, you mean on the podcast? Yeah, on the podcast. I just seemed a little bit like, you know, you know, like marriage is hard. Sometimes it sucks, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I, I was kind of like processing afterwards going, man, I hope I didn't come across too harsh. But the reason why, here's why. Well, no, here's what I think happened. Can I, can I give my theory? Let's hear it. So you went home and Kelsey put you in your place after she heard the podcast. You know, you know what? Uh, that would be actually probably accurate. However, she, she had, I don't think she listened to this one yet. So, so maybe I'm, I'm preemptively striking oh, and saying, you, you know, hey, let me just, before she hears that one, you know, she can hear this one. So she hasn't heard it yet that I know of. But no, the reason why, I, you know, I just, I, I, I think it hit a passionate spot yeah. in my life because I think, you know, you see the divorce rate is so high. Yeah. And, you know, even I've been through, you know, divorce too. So, yeah. but, but the divorce rate is so high and really it comes down to, you know what, that is... I'm not happy anymore, you know, yeah. or it's just not fulfilling for me anymore. And I just get so frustrated with that because, because marriage is, it's, you know, sometimes it's, it's a great thing, but sometimes yeah. it's hard and it's just our culture sometimes just is so quick to jump out of something if it's just inconveniences them and, and they're just missing out. And I just, I just get really passionate for marriage and yeah, it, yeah. Sometimes it's great. And it's the most amazing thing. And sometimes it's really hard and you just got to push through it and it's going to get better. Yeah. Um, there's going to be highs, there's going to be lows, there's going to be mountaintops, there's going to be valleys, but you just got to keep fighting through it. Um, and, uh, just not be so quick to jump out and, you know, I understand why people do, but it's, you know. You know, I just got a little, I guess, a little passionate for it. Yeah, so. well, and I think it's a great thing to be passionate about. And you think about the the, the situation of marriage, not just in, in our in our culture here in the United States, but around the world, uh, and especially in Western culture, Europe, places like that. Um, it's not valued like it ought to be. And I would say it's, you know, to be fair to some, you know, especially, you know, you've, you've been through a divorce and, and to be fair to people who go through that. I, you know, I don't think it's just inconvenience or convenience or I just don't like it anymore. I mean, there's often more very significant issues that lead uh, to divorces and it's and it's um, and it can be extremely difficult, as you mentioned. So, you know, I want to be fair that the, the issues can be really, really hard to deal with, um, but there are ways to deal with them. And, and I think it becomes an issue of values. For both people, what do if if both of us value this marriage as our highest priority aside from our relationship with Jesus Christ, then 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 you can get through almost anything. Yeah. Um, but if if one if even one of those people decide that something else they value something else more, whether it's their own happiness, whether it's a relationship with their children, maybe, mm-hmm. or and and there's disagreement about how that should be handled. That can lead to all kinds of conflict or. Um, or, or money and how money should be spent or whatever. If one person decides to value something else above that marriage, then, um, then you can end up in a lot of trouble and, and sometimes that'll lead to divorce. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're in the series Faith and Doubt. Yeah. And uh, I guess what to do with marriage? Which has a lot to do with marriage, it actually. Does. Okay, all right. Because the title of your sermon was... 
till death do us part. It, it was. That's right. Exactly. That's right. So this is which kind is, of relevant. Which is which is part of the marriage vows, right? And that's and that, that's where that title came. Yeah, from. sickness and health. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so death to us part. So when it, when it comes to divorce. You know, we we know it's traumatic, obviously, yeah. especially on kids. But I think it's it's also traumatic to the individuals. Absolutely. And do you think there's, you know, when we look back at the in scripture, we see that you know the two will become one flesh, yes. and we hear about that kind of stuff. Is there something biological, mystical, something that happens to where that that union? Is so sacred that when you do separate it, there is some trauma to it. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you think about you think about it this way. Um, when you take I we I did it. We did a series on you know marriage, sexuality, relationships oh, uh, this last fall. I think it was. Um, and 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 I brought up and and my son remembered this or, or or noticed this, which was great. And I brought up some duct tape. And, and and put it together. Do you remember this? Yeah, well, all boys going to, as soon as you pull duct, duct tape, tape out, they're yeah, excited, right? Exactly, yeah. Right. And so I brought up some duct tape and and, and we, were, we were talking about marriage and I was talking about this idea of one flesh. And and you tape it together, the sticky sides together, and then you try to, you know, you just let it sit for a little bit and then you try to pull it apart. And what, what happens, especially if it's like good duct tape, like, you know, Gorilla Tape or something like that, like it... You, you pull it apart and it'll r- literally rip at each other, right? Like it's the, it can't, it can't not do harm to the other piece of tape. And then it doesn't stick as much either, right? You begin to stick it to something else and then to something else and then to something else. And these multiple sticking points create, create where uh, a situation where it's really hard for the two to become one flesh. And I think, I think that's indicative of marriage as well. You know, uh, marriage is intended for two people to become one flesh, as the Bible talks about it. And that might make you know, you know, I obviously I was you know went through a divorce and and all that kind of stuff. And you know, there's there were certain reasons that we tried to work through things for a while, about a year and uh, I think about three years. Well, and just to be, just to be clear, you know, I mean, I know your situation and sure. and um and and you worked very hard, I think, at, at resolving those issues and and really probably came to a point where there, there really wasn't a, another option. Yeah. So both people were not committed to, to resolving it. Yeah. And, and the, um, when, and then, sorry, just to, to kind of like further what I was kind of thinking was the stickiness thing. Yeah. It, it, you know, I was, had, you know, some damage and, you know, absolutely from that and, and all that kind of stuff. So when I entered into a new marriage, it, it was a little bit hard in the beginning. And, you know, there's still probably times where it's harder because I, I am less sticky if you're going to use that. <laughs> analogy, less you know, sticky. or there's just certain areas that are just not the same as it would have been if I was, you know, first time getting married yeah. to my wife. So, yeah. Well, and, and that's so significant. And I think we see, we see that in the old Testament too, um, with, uh, with multiple wives and all these kinds of things, and it, and it creates all kinds of difficulties. You know, when there's when the sticky when the sticky has the the, the tape has been applied to too many different things. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be applied to one thing, and then and then that's it. That's the end. It's it sticks there forever. That's that's how God intends it to be. And when we go outside of that plan, we harm ourselves. We harm the other person. We harm culture and society as well. Oh, you know, here's a. You're gonna be amazed at my transition right now. I, okay, I'm, a, I'm gonna call it out. I'm gonna call the shot right now. Over, is it, over the left field. I'm Babe Ruth in this one. Right, pointing to the left field fence. All right. So you say stickiness is important to a good marriage. Yeah, 
how do we remain sticky spiritually or even build up <laughs> stickiness within our marriage by, uh, you know, can you talk about marriage's faith journey? Yeah. What are some practical ways that, you know, a husband and wife or a family can grow together spiritually and remain sticky? Oh, my or gosh. Or increase their adhesiveness? You know what? That was I'll give, good. Come I'll, on. I'll give you a double. I'll give you a double. Okay. <laughs> it was good. I don't know about a home run, but right. I'll give you a I'll double. I'll take a double. double. It is baseball season. You're wearing a baseball rock, a Rockies hat. People exactly, can't see that. Yeah. I'm often wearing a Twins hat because the Twins, by the way, second best record in Major League Baseball right now. How are the Rockies doing? Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, terrible. Yeah, okay. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> but the Avs are doing send okay. Send your emails to, to, the to Jay doing, McCloskey. Well, they are. Tonight, yeah. And the Wild aren't playing. So. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so anyways, yeah, uh, you know, that's a great question. And I think it's super important. And it's something that takes work in our marriage. Uh, you know, I'll just I'll just tell you a little bit from my experience in my own marriage um, and, and 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 give you some some things that I have found helpful. Um, but I think scripture also charges uh, charges us to to have a marriage be a spiritual thing and to lead spiritually, especially you know, for the man, I know that's somewhat controversial in, 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 in this world, even within Christian circles, some, some get a little upset by that idea of, of the man leading, but I think that's what scripture presents, um, in multiple places. But, you know, for me, I, I'll, I'll tell you, honestly, sometimes my wife is the better spiritual leader than you know, she's better at leading spiritually. She reminds me often of when I'm not leading well spiritually. And I think that's important. Um, it, it, it reminds me of, of, what God has charged me to do in Ephesians five, talking about presenting, presenting my bride holy, you know, before God, uh, that's, that's my responsibility. And I think if you connect that with Ephesians six, where it talks about how we treat children, really that responsibility resides over the whole family. Um, and so, so I think it's really important to take that responsibility serious, but my wife has often led by example and by, um, sometimes just reminding me or, other other things that I need to lead better, and and in that sense has led me uh, in that process. So I think that's really important for husband and wife both to be committed to that, um, and and both to be committed to to raising a family in in a way that honors God. So some things that that we've done over the years, and and we haven't done them all the time, uh, but but you know times change, stages of life change, and so we've done different things. I think um, praying together. And that was that. That's the illustration I used with which, by the way, I put up the twit, the tweets on uh, Instagram, pictures of the tweets on Instagram. Oh, with the um, other couple, the older couple. Uh, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that couple that was married for eighty eight years, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, I got to be honest. I don't think I want to be married for eighty eight years, but primarily because I don't want to live that long. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, has to, it has nothing to do with Krista. No, no, yeah. absolutely, hundred percent not. Yeah. But anyways. Uh, but they, you know, they they talk let's about. Be, let's be honest. Who's gonna be taking care of who? You're gonna your body's gonna break down <laughs> well before hers gonna yeah, break probably, down. She's in probably. much better shape than that, you are. Jen. That is probably true. Uh, anyways, but you know, they they talked about praying together and praying for one another. And I don't. We don't. Chris and I, my wife and I, don't pray together every day. Some couples do that, and that's great. But we pray for each other all the time, and we do pray with each other uh, from time to time. At you know, as different situations require different things, we'll stop and pray about decisions that we're making or about people in our lives that we just want to pray for, and we'll pray together for them. Um, I think. I think that's really, really beneficial. Um, and you should do that a lot. And then you should always be praying for each other for sure. Especially when you're angry or when things aren't going well, that is the time to pray. Hmm. Um, so I think prayer is huge. And then we've, we've memorized scripture at times together as a family. Um, I think when we had kids, uh, it, it might sound funny, but reading 
Bible stories to our kids. Yeah, yeah when they were you little. You still have kids, John. I still have kids, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, they don't let me read Bible stories yeah, that's true. to with them true, picture anymore. books anymore. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. that's what they want is the pictures. Yeah, right, who knows? But but even though that process of, of doing that is what for us was spiritually enriching for our family, even though it's, ki- you know, it's, it's the kids' versions of the Bible stories, but it was still spiritually enriching for our fam and families. And then, and then just the constant, uh, the constant pursuit of an individual's relationship with Jesus. If both are pursuing Jesus regularly, consistently, um, you know, then, then it's going to improve their marriage. You know, kind of uh, highlighting the, the idea of praying, you know, more just together and, and, you know, out loud and taking the time, obviously it invites God into that situation. Absolutely. And, and I know that, you know, even talking about your, your sense of evangelism, like your greatest evangelistic tool is prayer. Absolutely. hundred percent. Because it creates, because it brings God into the mix. It begins to change lives and then it begins to, to bring up questions. Yeah. And then, you know, which believer doesn't want to sit and, and talk with, talk with their lost friends about, you know, about Jesus, what he's yeah. done for them, but they just don't want to push it. But if you're, you know, if someone's hurting, you say, Hey, can I pray with you? Yeah. And it is so important. And 100%. I've been kind of doing that more with my, with, you know, the little one, you yeah. know, like she's with them. frustrated or yeah, she's, you know, she's worried or whatever it is, or she's whatever it is at three years old and this, Hey, want to pray? And she's always like, yeah, let's pray. Right. So we always pray now more. And then just kind of, it just invites, you know, it invites that peacemaker, invites that, that piece of hope. It invites that, uh, something to encourage us with. It, it really does. It brings the third person of the marriage into the picture. Yeah. And I would say that even goes so far, you know, because not everybody is in a, in a marriage where both are believers. True. So whether, and whatever that circumstance is, whether it was a decision that was made to marry a non-believer or, and, and you were a believer, or maybe you were both non-believers and you got married and then one of, and then you became a believer. And so now you're married to somebody who's not a, a follower of Jesus Christ. So, so what do you do? Pray for them. And I would even suggest that that you can tell them you're praying for them. And you might even ask them, how can I pray for you? I, I, there might be a situation where somebody's really antagonistic towards Christianity, but I, I would, I would guess that that's usually not the case. Mm-hmm. And what a great way to, to bridge that gap just a little bit, you know, to, to become that witness to your spouse who, who might not be a follower of Jesus Christ and go, I'm praying for you, you know, pray for them in their job, pray for them, you know, in, in, in different areas of their life and, and let them know you're praying for them. Not, you know, not every second of the day, but you know, once, once a week or something, Hey, I've been praying for you that about this, how's this going? Yeah. 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 How how can I continue to pray? My guess is that, that 90% of the time they're going to love that. They're going to, they're going to sense that's an affection from you to them and, and they're going to recognize it as that and they'll accept it and receive it. You know, there's that 10% and you got to be a judge of that, but try it once. If they have a bad reaction, then, you know, you tried it. Yeah. And then, you know, just to, to lay off a little bit and, you know, and then do off. it behind the scenes. Yeah. Do it because you don't want for them. You don't want to keep, you know, keep going after them. Yeah. But, um, maybe scripture talks about that, but you know, I think, you know, even for me, I know that prayer is a hard thing because yeah. it really is a growing agent. You know, when you start, stop and pray, you're really taking the time to let God examine your life and encourage you, uh, maybe discipline you, uh, show you areas that you need to change, all that kind of stuff. But there's no question in my mind that you're not changed right. in some way as a result right. of that of that interaction. Uh, we, you know, I don't know if you want to mention this, but we talked about um, the church is kind of praying for our community. Yeah. We had a really cool story. Um, 
you know, if you want to mention that real quick, yeah. I thought it was real neat. It, it is real neat. You know, we, somebody, somebody that became started, a prayer, became a prayer podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody, somebody that started attending our church, um, not long ago, uh, has, has, uh, her mom lives in the area and we, we've been going house to house. Our church has been going house to house, just praying for people in the household and, and leaving a door hanger, just saying, Hey, we prayed for you. It's, it. we're not knocking yeah. on the door. We're not like laying our hands on them. We're not doing those kind of just, just going from house to house in the neighborhood. And it's very structured. I mean, we're, we're intentionally doing this and people go into specific neighborhoods and do this. And, you know, we're trying to pray for as many people in our community as we can. And, uh, I just, you know, we ended up praying for a, a lady who started coming to our church not that long ago. And, you know, I think within the last month or two here, and we ended up praying for her, her mom at her mom's house. We didn't know where her mom lived or anything. We didn't know. We were just going from door to door, but that really made a big impact mm-hmm. on her mom. And she really appreciated that because her mom's fighting uh, cancer and things like that. It was a really cool story to hear about. And, um, and so the lady that started coming to our church emailed me and just kind of let me know, um, you know, about that. And so that's just a really cool thing. Prayer, prayer is a big deal. And yeah, we're turning this into a prayer podcast, which it wasn't intended to be, but yeah, well, it's yeah. okay. Which is a good thing, right? Yeah. Bring, bring God in the mix. But, uh, we'll, we'll go back to, uh, so death do us part. So death do us part. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as I look around our culture, um, you know, there was, there was an attack on truth, you know, absolute truth. Oh, yeah. And, and, it, and there still is, it's one of those things where, um, you know, it's all about what's true for me is, yeah. is true for me. And if it's not, if it's not your truth, it's not your truth. And, and we really know at, at the core of things, that's a, it's a dangerous philosophy, it's a dangerous, um, ideology to think Very that dangerous. there's, that there is no absolute truth and that whatever I want to believe is true is true. And, and that's just not a great thing. And this is slippery slope because it begins to corrupt things. And I think, you know, I've kind of noticed, um, as we begin to reject truth, it's almost like. We, I don't want to say we check our brains, but we kind of put them aside because yeah. we, we don't rationalize anymore. We don't um, deal with anything objective anymore. Um, and then we, our emotions begin to take over yeah. and begin to lead us. Yes. And it then becomes to more what I feel is true, not necessarily what I think is true. 100%. And so that's, to me, to me, that's a dangerous thing because when I start to get into the position where my emotions start to dictate my thoughts... That's not a good thing. I need that balance of, well, here's what I'm feeling, but this is what is true. Yeah. And I need to really balance that. But as I look at our culture, I see that um, it's just a scary place. It's a slippery slope. And do you think this mentality has attributed uh, to the downfall of marriage at all? Oh, 100%. I mean, I, I would even say that it's it's not even so much. I think we've begun to move beyond what was known as, um, you know, cultural relativism. We still have a form of it, I guess. Um, but it's more of an emotivism is what, what ethicists will call it. So emotivism is basically this idea that I determine what is morally good or morally bad, what's ethical, if you will, um, based on how I feel about it, not on anything objective. Mm. And so, and so I guess it's a form of relativism, but I think that's, that's where we get a lot of the arguments, for example, related to same sex marriage. Um, it's, well, I feel this love for this person. Therefore this is right for me. Or, and, and I think this really has grown out of something even prior, you know, people would talk about, oh, I found my soulmate. And what they really mean is I, I feel this intense emotion towards this person. Um, therefore, this must be my soulmate. Um, but what we find in marriage is, man, there are, there are a lot of times I feel intense towards my wife, but it's not always, it's not, not always it's not, positive emotions. It's always, yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's negative, right? So I, obviously positive as well, but, um, you know, but marriage 
marriage is not intended to be a um, an expression of how you feel about a specific person at any given time. If it was, you know, I mean, and that is part we'd of why we had, doomed, oh my though. goodness, it was, it would, we'd be married for, you know, a day or two or a week or whatever. Like, you know, and you see that from time to time, that's pretty rare, but people understand that there's difficulty in marriage, but they still pursue that emotion. And when it's not there, they eventually give up, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and I think that that's a really sad state that we're in, but it, you know, whether it's same sex marriage or, or, you know, we've, we've even seen on some, on a television show that, that I, uh, sometimes watch called SWAT, you know, it's about SWAT police officers, but there's this polyamorous relationship and in, in the TV show. And so they're even trying to make that mainstream now. Well, I I feel like I love two people or three people or whatever the case is. So therefore I'm going to act on that. It makes it morally right for me to act on that. So there's no objective truth about marriage or anything else. And so we just act on whatever. And so, and so when that wears off, when that wears thin, then what? Yeah. You know, then, well, I'll go on to the next thing. But remember that sticky tape thing? That's really true in relationships. It's really, really true. And then it stops sticking as much. And then you're in pursuit of what you can't find anymore because the stickiness has worn off. Mm-hmm. And 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 you never find it. And so you end up going from relationship to relationship. You just become more miserable. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and you do. And, and, it's, and it's much more difficult. That's why second marriages and third marriages have much higher divorce rates than first marriages, mm. you know? Um, and so, it, so I'm not saying don't get married again. I'm just saying there's a greater challenge. Yeah. Beware. Yeah. Beware. Yeah, beware. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about Abraham before acting on his own, you know, the, the guy gave him the land and, and he's, there's a famine. So instead of praying and asking what God wanted him to do, he left Egypt, right? Yeah. Or, you know, here's the, the promised child. You're going to have a promised child. It's going to, you know, the, you know I'm going to bless you uh, through this child. And then he wasn't getting a child. So he went and found yeah. his own way. And you, you picked, you mentioned how Abraham um, made a down payment with physical money. He said, I'm going to buy this land. Yeah. Do you think that's any different? I mean, do you think that he took God's plan to his own hands by purchasing it? Or do you think, yeah. what do you think? I mean, I, at first I was like, well, that's kind of cool. And I go, wait, is he kind of acting on his own? Where's God in this passage? Yeah. Is God in this passage? Is God supporting this, this purchase? Yeah. Of, great of the question. Land? Yeah. I don't know. I just kind of thought about that. I was like, oh, I wonder, I wonder what John had to say about that. Yeah. Well, and, and this is the tricky part. This is why interpreting scripture is, um, a skill that needs to be worked on and acquired and not continually, to, and right? and continually. And I'm still working on it. Right. You know, I'm still trying to get good at it, but I do, you know, it's part of my job. So I do it a lot, you know, and, 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 I, and I've had a lot of training in that regard, but anyways, um, because, because you're right. I mean, it was a great question by you, Johnny, to, to notice kind of these patterns that have led up to this point, because there is this pattern of, you know, and, and I made this argument back when we talked about Abraham going to Egypt, he goes to Egypt to flee this famine. And then he stops worshiping God. He stops building altars, worshiping God and all. And that doesn't return until he returns to the, to the promised land. Right. And, and I suggested that the, the trip to Egypt was not the right decision. He, he left God's plan when he did that. And now you find this passage and in this passage, you don't find God in this passage. There's no mention of God and there's no mention of an altar being built or worship. And so you begin to go, wait a minute, is this the pattern? Well, this is an exception to the pattern. And and the reason that you can identify this is how the author portrays the situation, right? And I think if you go back to some of those other passages, the author portrays them negatively. Bad things happen in those situations. But no bad thing happens here. 
nothing bad happens in this in this context. And so so I think actually what's happening is you have you have in the previous chapter where Abraham brings Isaac and you know, is, is told, Hey, sacrifice Isaac. And he goes to sacrifice Isaac. And it was a test of his faith. Right. And it was, it was God saying, you know, and, and I argued it was God revealing to Abraham, here's how far I've brought you. You've grown in your relationship. You've grown in your faith to this point. And God gives a replacement for Isaac. And it is a picture of Jesus for sure. But, but there's also this sense in which God kind of tests him, but I don't think that this is a discontinuation of of the test. I think it's kind of a, almost a new test and going, Abraham, will you claim now the promise that I've been giving you? And, and he does, and he does it by purchasing that land. Yeah. He does it with his, with money. Yeah. He does it with money. There is that correlation to where your treasure is. Your heart is also a hundred percent. And so, and so Abraham puts his money where his mouth is, so to speak, um, quite literally. Right. And, and, and says, no, I'm willing, I'm going to buy this piece of property, which by the way, y'all ripped me off on. And he knew it. Yeah. You know, y'all I'm paying three to four times the value of this, but Abraham's a wealthy man and he can afford it. And so he says, I'm paying for it because I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Yes. My faith is that God will absolutely 100% fulfill his promise. And it might not be in my lifetime, but I believe that God will follow through on his promise and so I'm putting my money here. I'm buying, I'm putting this down payment on the land because God's going to follow through. So I think that's what's happening. And so it's almost like these two chapters are flip, flip side, are, you know, opposite sides of the same coin, you know, where, where there's the test with Isaac and, and Abraham follows through on that. And then it's, and then he's, and then Sarah passes and he's recognizing, he's recognizing that time is coming to an end and I'm going to put a down payment on this because I believe God's going to follow through. Okay. Uh, yeah. He's not going to see the fruition technically of it, but not, not the, not the yeah. complete fruition. Yeah. That's right. And so, um, so it's, a, it's, it's a, it's, that's faith. Yeah. When you see God has promised this, I believe God's promise. Um, and, and I'm going to put my money where my mouth is on that. That's, that's living by faith. You said something cool, um, in regards to, you know, even talking about the truth thing, uh, when you come to interpreting scripture, Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily an easy thing. Yeah. You have to make some judgment calls and all that kind of stuff. Right. But it sounds like you were saying sometimes it's it's possible to not get it right, and you have to almost recorrect yourself to what is being said, like the truth. Sure. You know? And that's kind of the cool thing. I think that's 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 what we need to be always doing. Yeah. Is we 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 shoot for the truth, and sometimes we come up short. And we got to correct it. Sure. But we always, and you have that responsibility, which you take very seriously. Yeah. Of I want to present the truth. Yeah. What the Bible is saying accurately, and yeah. if I'm if it's off, then I'm the one who went off, and I have to get recorrect. Absolutely, and this happens all the time. You know, we get these. You know, I don't want to go too far down this road. But <laughs> we get the we get these verses people take out of context, and uh, you know, and if we're challenged on that, and and all of a sudden we look, we you know, we ought to take that seriously and be able to go look back. And go wait, did I just do that? Did I take that out of context? Yeah, I did. Okay, you know, I need to stop that, and that's fine. Yeah, you know, that happens. Everybody does that. Everybody, sure. sure. But it's a good thing to. But not everybody corrects. Every, not everybody corrects. Yeah, so we got to correct. Yeah, exactly. It's not like I feel that like what this passage is saying. Right. So uh, it's cool. Uh, hey, finally, last question, John. Uh, you know, you kind of ended your sermon with you know till death do us part, and yeah. she had um, passed. Sarah had passed, and uh, obviously Abraham is going to pass at some point. Yeah. Um, and we talked about tombstones and how yes. it's important. We're all thinking about what's that one liner yeah. going to be, and you're just saying a legacy is more important. Yeah. You know, and spiritually, uh, we can live a legacy that can last for generations, and that yeah. ripple effect from that stone of our life being. 
being cast into the water uh, can go on and on and on, especially yeah. with God. Um, how how is it? How does how does a legacy uh, live beyond when God is involved in, yeah. in our lives? Well, you know, I mean, this is huge because this is our kids, right? I think a lot of this is our and kids, our grandkids, and, and our, our grandkids. Yeah. And and I think you know, and you and I both, even though we. Uh, you know, probably don't want to admit it. Um, no, don't say it, John. I, I'm going to say it, don't man. Don't say it. I'm going to, we both have married kids, which means we're both oh. in that stage of life where grandkids are no. probably somewhere on the horizon. No, no. I know. It's crazy, right? Um, which means, by the way, we'd both be married to grandmas. Oh my goodness. That, yeah. Which is the scariest part of that whole deal, right? So, yeah, well, my <laughs> wife is much younger than I am. That so. is true. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. So she's, yeah. Not, she's definitely, yeah, not on board with this. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. So, but, anyways, but here, here's the, here's the thing. I think that this matters on multiple levels. And, and our, the family is taking a huge hit in our culture. Huge hit. Huge, huge, huge hit. It, and it continues to just be hammered all the time, both in marriage and in kids. You know, it's not just about the marriage issue and the same sex marriage and all that kind of stuff, but it's also the abortion issue. Um, a huge thing. We're killing our next generation. And, and I know that's a touchy subject and, um, and, and I understand that it's touchy, but we are killing our next generation. And that's not biblical. That's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to be fruitful and multiply. And so, and so I think, you know, um, you know, you've got multiple kids, you've got more kids than I do, but you know, I, I got a couple kids and, and sometimes I wish I had more kids. And I, I think we, we not only ought to have children, I think that's good. Marriage is great. We should celebrate it. Having kids is great. We should, we should celebrate it more importantly. And we're doing this on Sunday with some, some, um, child dedications, raising children in a godly way is huge. Not just having physical kids, but having spiritual children. In other words, in other words, raising them to know Jesus, to know the gospel story, to know what it is to follow God and to be obedient to him and live a life the best we can, um, to be holy before him, knowing that we will all fall short and need the cross and need the resurrection, right? We, we're all going to need that, but raising our kids so that they know that truth and that not only do they know it, but they embrace it. It's so huge. Um, and, and I got to, you know, we have some, some families in our church that have a lot of kids, which I think is amazing. And, and man, I just, I, I was thinking about this. I, I don't know if my daughter's probably not going to listen to this, but, um, but I, I've, I was thinking about this the other day. And I'm like, you know what? I hope my daughter has a bunch of kids. I hope my son went someday when he gets married, has a bunch of kids. Like I, I want him to have a lot of kids. And, and sometimes I, I kind of look back and go, wish we'd had more kids. Um, because I think that there's a legacy in that, that we live on. They might remember our generations, you know, our grandkids and our great grandkids might remember who we are, maybe not beyond our great grand grandkids. But if we raise the next generation in a godly way, they will live lives with, you know, because of the investment that we make in our kids mm -hmm. and our grandkids. And so, and so we had to make those investments knowing that whether they remember our name or not, that we had an impact. Yeah. And that's the legacy. It's not the name. It's not our name. Who cares? What, who cares? Nobody's people are going to stop visiting your gravesite at some point. Yeah. You, someday you're going to die. They'll not know who you and are. And then, and then someday, you know, even some, certain celebrities will yeah. not remember who, not, not who they are. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's just, it's people are going to forget who you are. Mm hmm. But so, the, but so the have impact. your legacy be something else. Yeah. You know, I think about it. What, what, what year was your grandfather born? Do you remember? I have no clue. No idea. No idea. 1920, somewhere. Well, it's, yeah, it has had to be 19, yeah, somewhere around there. Around there. 1920, 1920 
Uh, well, my grandma passed, like, I guess my wife was telling me, was it six years ago or something? And so my grandpa passed a couple years before that. I want to say eight years. Eight, eight, ten years ago. Yeah. So here's the thing. I can't believe that. That's crazy. No, yeah. it can't be that long. Anyways. Well, the, the bottom line is your, your spiritual um, makeup is really a lot to do with your grandfather. A hundred percent. Especially me. But my kids... My kids would know who he was. They met him. Yeah. But their kids will never meet him. They'll never know, but they will feel his impact. But they will feel his impact. Yeah. Because what he has done in you and then what yeah. you have done in your kids and your grandkids. So, so that's just kind of the beauty of you want to make an impact, live for, live spiritually uh, kingdom minded and, and uh, really pour into your family. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred um, percent. We were kind of running out of time, John. So uh, we don't have time for questions from the listeners, but if you, <laughs> if you do have a question. Do we have any questions um, yeah. from the listeners? Well, you know what, John? You know, it's not really important. You know, it's not important right now. But if you do have any questions, um, email us at uh, podcast at gfol.org. Uh, yeah. We'd love to love to kind of wrestle through some stuff with you. Uh, if it's brought up anything or brought up, brought up, brought, if it has brought up, whatever. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, or if you have great grandpa names for John and I. You go ahead and, yeah, because they're, they're, oh they're coming our names. I, they need to be cool. It can't Scary be grandpa. Stuff. That's Just, right. It can't be grandpa. I'm going for... Uh, yeah. Papa. Pop pop daddy Pops. or something like that. I like pop daddy. P daddy. P daddy's cool. I'm cool with that. So yeah. Any uh, cool grandpa name, send them our way. Podcast BFOL.org. Okay. Yeah. And hey, and hey, subscribe, you know, subscribe on iTunes, uh, like us, give us a positive review. If you want, if you don't like it, just stop listening. Don't give us a negative review. Yeah. 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 It's all good. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, any uh, uh, resources you recommend, John? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there, there's a resource I think, and this is one, when I do premarital counseling, one of the things I'll often do is make them read a book. Um, which I don't always love, but as a matter of fact, I've got a couple doing that right now, but I, I think it's, I think it's great. You know, the meaning of marriage, um, I think, I think is an excellent, excellent book by Tim Keller about marriage and, um, very, very helpful. And I, I just got to tell you guys, marriage matters. It is our down, t- down payment on, on God's prom, God's eternal promises in, in a sense. Mm. And so, um, so it matters. And so that's a great resource. Yeah. John, it sounded like you were wrapping it up. What's the big idea? That was good. That was a was great, that good? That was a just great, now? That was a great big idea. No, but I'm sure you have another. What's your big idea for the week? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say this, that, that my big, big idea is this. Our marriages and families are the covenant of God in the flesh. Let's live like it. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Deep Dive Podcast, where we believe in real grace for real living. We'll see you next week.